The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So welcome to today's edition of the Culture Club and we're continuing our series for the month of January with politicians and I'm delighted that we've Breed Smith with us, People Before Profit Solidarity TD for Dublin South Central. Breed, thank you very much for joining us. Now we ask everyone to nominate a first single and you couldn't remember a first single I'm told, you've gone for an album instead. <laughs> I couldn't remember my first single but uh, I do remember my first album and it was Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Um, a boyfriend bought it for me because I'd heard it and I was fascinated with the, I remember being fascinated with the electronic sounds coming in on top of the music. It was done so well and the sound of money clicking and all that. Yeah, I was just about to yeah. say Money, the socialist and you went for the <laughs> first album with the famous track Money on it's it. It's critical of money though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the root of all evil and all that. But uh, no, um, so that was my first album and of course then nowadays the famous John Waters from Pink Floyd is um, somebody who I think I admire very much as an artist because he supports the Palestine cause and supports the boycott divestment uh, campaign uh, for the Palestinian people. So yeah, so it's co- kind of come around full circle. Well, let's it was hear a, a little bit. Ago I got the album. Let's hear a little bit from it. We didn't pick out money. That might have been too obvious a track. We have Breathe instead. since I've heard Dark Side of the Moon I've sort of forgotten a lot of it's quite chilled out isn't it? Yeah yeah it's deadly it's the sort of thing you just relax and yeah clear your head with it's it's lovely I still have the album and I still listen to it away and go home You still have a record player? Uh, I have both I have the CD and I st- the record player isn't working I'll have to get myself a new one <laughs> Okay Favourite band or artist Who are you going for here? Um, My favourite band or artist I'm actually going for Lisa O'Neill um, it's a modern contemporary, contemporary choice. Yeah, I've become fascinated with her, but I did see her years ago before she became famous at a, uh, it was a, a weird little festival somewhere in County Meath. It was called the Spirit of Folk. And a mate of mine who was a counsellor, I was a counsellor at the time, she was a counsellor for People Before Profit and Wexford, Deirdre Wadding. Uh, she described herself as a white witch. And so this festival was all about druids and witches and it was a gas little festival because it had a good title, The Spirit of Folk. But uh, there were literally people going around in their gear, you know, the long druidy dresses and the... Did you? The, sorry? Did you? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I was fascinated we with them though. No, no, unfortunately, I didn't have a druid's dress. But um, yeah, so there was all these little 
places that there was gigs and events happening. And in the middle of the woods, there was a stage and a bonfire and not a, not really a stage, more like a pit and a big bonfire. And I heard Lisa O'Neill singing there for the first time and I thought she was amazing. Can't remember what she sang, but I went to see her a couple of times after that in Walsh's in Stony Battle where she did a gig. And then recently, and I've been trying to track a copy of this, she worked with Billy Bragg on on uh, a project about the, um, the 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 Bowsies and the Vandals that were deported to Van Diemen's Land in the eighteen hundreds by the British the British Empire, basically, because there were Bowsies and Vandals from Ireland, but also from across the British Isles. And she went with Billy Bragg and worked on a project about that. And she, I heard her talking about it to uh, Miriam O'Callaghan. And she also sang something that moved me very much. She told the story of how a bunch of uh, Irish Bowsies, and when I say Bowsies, they would have been like Robin Hoods. You know, they stole yeah. Trevelyan's corn and they took from the rich and gave to the poor. They were those kind of Bowsies, but the British Empire couldn't tolerate them and sent them off uh, as slaves to Van Diemen's Land in Australia. And she talked about this group of men and women. I think there was about 11 of them who had a little uh, rebellion out there to try and free themselves again from the yokes of, of, of the British Empire. And they were suppressed and sentenced to death. And they were marched down to a town centre to be hung. And on the way, they sang the crappy boy, you know, good men and true in this house who dwell, that version. And she sang it and it was haunting the way she sang it. Incredible. So I'm dying to get my hands on a, on um the work that they did is called Death or Liberty, but I was checking online and it won't be available here till next year. So I think I have that right anyway. If Lisa's listening and she knows how I can get it, she might send it to me. We actually have one track by her called Old Note. Imagine that in the fire pit surrounded yeah, by the lovely, white witches lovely. as well. Uh, Your favourite album, you've gone for Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. Yeah, I've been listening to Blood on the Tracks for years and what I like about it is the um, the storytelling. You know, every every song is a story and it brings you through, you know, whether it's the, uh, oh, the one where your, your man gets killed. What's his name? Jack of Hearts. 
whether it brings you through the whole story of the Jack and ha- Jack of Hearts or the um, people who are emigrants or a love story. And yeah, it's my it's one I would listen to again and again and never get tired of. There's other Bob Dylan albums I would get tired of, but not that one. OK, let's hear from uh, Blood on the Tracks, Tangled Up in Blue. Lovely one. The sun was shining I was laying in bed Wondering if she'd changed it all If her hair was still red Her folks, they said our lives together Sure was gonna be rough They never did like mama's homemade dress Papa's banquet wasn't big enough And I was standing on the side of the road Rain falling on my shoes Heading out for the east coast Lord knows I paid some dues Getting through Blue. She was married when we first met, soon to be divorced. I helped her out of a jam, I guess, but I used a little too much force. We drove that car as far as we could, abandoned it out west. Split up on a dark sad night, but the green it was. Tangled up in blue from Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan. I'm interested to hear you say you don't like everything that Dylan has done because most Dylan fans tend to love everything, no matter what. Oh, I do. I love everything, but I would get tired of the amount of times I listen to Blood on the Tracks. I wouldn't listen to, the, the, you know, another album that many times. I, 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 I don't know why it is. I just, I don't. Have know. you seen him live? No, I've never seen him live. No. Well, you should have gone recently. Apparently everyone who was at the recent gig said it was just amazing really? to see yeah. him still in his 80s performing yeah, well, so brilliantly. Yeah. <coughs> Best gig you were ever at. What are you going for? Rory Gallagher. It was about a year before he died and uh, uh, my, my little brother got me a ticket. There was a gang of us actually went to the Olympia and we got brilliant seats, the front row of the balcony. And of course, we were on our feet all night dancing and... Uh, just, it was a brilliant gig, but mo- I remember it most because I have to admit, afterwards we got chatting to him and he asked me back to the hotel for a, a session. So I got about five of us back to the, what was the name of that hotel in Temple Bar? I don't know if it's still there. It was one of the first hotels in Temple Bar. Anyway, that's where we ended up till about seven in the morning. Reed Smith, rock star groupie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were there till about seven in the morning, drinking at the bar and singing songs and chatting to them. It was great. Um, but yeah, Rory Gallagher was an amazing character. The energy and uh, just, he was just beautiful and a lovely guy to chat to. Yeah. Who unfortunately died very young. He did, yeah, yeah, he did indeed. And I think it was about a year before he died that we had seen him because I remember being so delighted that we'd had the experience. Let's hear him performing Continental Op. This is not from the Olympia, but Switzerland in 1994, the year before he died. Let's go to work! Take it. 
Gallagher Continental Op. Not music known for storytelling. It was more the guitar playing. Yeah. Rory Gallagher's Yeah, place. it is. And the energy, you know, when you see him live, well, when he was alive, and you're right, it was a tragic, a tragic uh, early death. Uh, the energy he brought to it and, and the musicianship, you know, playing the guitar was just amazing. Are you a major gig gore? I used to be, but, you know, since I took up this carry on being at the doll, I don't get as much time as I'd like to. It's just so busy all the time, you know. Um, I am going to a couple of gigs now coming up and one of them is Elise O'Neill one and I was at a Palestine one, the other sort of traditional Palestine gig the other night and I've got tickets for Lucinda Williams as well in, in January. Okay, we'll take a break and we'll come back with all the non-musical choices from Breed Smith, the People Before Profit TD for Dublin South Central after this. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here. Welcome back to the Culture Club and we're doing our political series for the month of January. Breed Smith, the People Before Profit TD is with us and moving off your musical choices. Let's go to a favourite movie. And uh, this is one I have to say I'm not familiar with. In fact, we couldn't even find a clip for it. It's a Kirk Douglas movie called Lonely Are the Brave. Yeah, I would have only seen it just shortly before my mother died and she'd be gone now uh, five years in in February. Um, And she was mad about the cowboy movies. And this one is really stuck with me because it's not really a cowboy movie, but it's about a cowboy and his friends trying to move from the old world into the new. And it was made around the early 60s, I think. Um, And this Kirk Douglas is a a veteran of the uh, Korean War and he wants to remain on his white horse and, you know, his cowboy life. And he sets out to free a pal of his who was... uh, put into prison for helping Mexican refugees cross the border. And, of course, that was very, uh, you know, sort of contemporary at the time because you had Donald Trump in full swing building walls against Mexican refugees. But uh, this obviously predated Trump a long time. But he he gets himself arrested to go into prison with his mate to get, get his mate to break out and his mate refuses to break out. And it ends that he goes on the run. And there's a very tragic ending to it. But... What caused his end, his demise, was the inability of him him to cross his life from being a cowboy and a free man on a horse with no kind of ID or formality or connection to things to, to cross that life into the new world. And he ends up getting killed on a, trying to get across a motorway, you know, a highway in the States, which crazy thing to do to try and jump your horse across cars on a highway. And his his demise was kind of in, inevitable because uh, he he was he just found it impossible to deal with the new world from the old one that he was coming from. And he was a lovely character in it, even though it was um, kind of makey uppy, but he was a sm- an amazing character in it. And the, the storyline fascinated me. So Bridie and I enjoyed it hugely and uh, not many people knew of it but she was an awful woman for sayings as well and she used to say she was always saying brave are the chancers she was always calling me a chancer brave are the chancers brave are the chancers but lonely are the brave was something that uh, I had not heard her saying but it's a a really good movie it's black and white it's made on a very low budget I would imagine but it's very very good it's very interesting it kind of makes you think about the world and people and how they fit into the sort of um, environment they find themselves in or not and the kind things that they do, you know. 
let's move from movies to television. And we've two TV shows that you've picked for us. And there's one that's over 20 years old now at this stage, which I think maybe a lot of people have forgotten about, but maybe one of the best comedies that RT ever made, Paths to Freedom. Remind people of Paths to Freedom. Well, uh, what's his name? Michael Hatton. Michael 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 Hatton played Rats. Yeah, and I think he's one of the main writers of it as well. Yeah, and he's been in Game of Thrones and Chernobyl and various things in recent years. Only met him a few weeks ago. So Rats, Michael Michael Hatton's character ends up in prison with a gynecologist who, what did he do wrong again? Who's... I'm trying to remember. He's very, anyway, the point is he's he's the complete opposite to rats. Yeah. Who's a working class lad who lives with his ma and, uh, you know. He was played by Brendan Coyle who's in the Weir at the moment that's in right. the Abbey. Yeah. Uh, in Downton Abbey, is it? No, in the, in the, the Abbey Theatre oh, he, at oh, the moment. Oh, he's not, okay. Yeah. And he was in Downton Abbey. As he was, well, you're right, actually. Yeah, no, yeah. Think, yeah. yeah. Um, so rats and him become pals in prison and they're complete opposite. The gynecologist, of course, a real middle class snob with all sorts of uh, paranoia and uh, uh, stupid ideas about himself. And Rats is a real down to earth working class chap with nothing. Um, and it's just funny. You should check it out. It's so funny. And he does it really brilliant. Deirdre Kane is brilliant. Isn't yeah, well. she's amazing. But what uh, I, probably you're right, it's old. But what's brought me back into it was my nephew who grew up in Sweden, but speaks English with a real Dublin accent and really gets Irish humour. He loves it and he can quote from it all the time. He ad nauseum. He watches nothing else, only Paths to Freedom. So he's got me back into it again, you know. It kind of reminded me of how good it was and how funny it was. I'm going to go back and watch it again, actually, yeah, because it was brilliant. Let's hear a clip from it, because this is after being released from prison and selling us house. Jeremy, played by Brendan Coyle, is living on a golf course. It's been two weeks since the sale of Helen and Jeremy's house. What's there amiss? Traffic? Mortgage? Tourists? You can keep your dot-com boomtown with its overpaid software wannabes sucking on Uncle Sam's candy-coated floppies. When was the last time you wrestled a badger to the ground? Mm-hmm. I've stoked a deer for three days without food or water. i climbed a jagged cliff. When did you do those things, Jeremy? This morning. Got a hole in one here once. Show it to you later. It's in the clubhouse. The place is teeming with wildlife. A terrible problem with rabbits burrowing on the greens. Since so dead out. Just for those who haven't seen it, it was made in mockumentary style. And in some respects... Maybe it was one of the sort of the early satires on the emerging Celtic tiger. Yeah, uh, your man is such an asshole, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. The other pick that you have is from just before that era, Father Ted. Well, who couldn't like not like Father Ted? Do you know what I mean? I think everyone likes it, but I'm not sure everyone remembers to bring it back up as one of their favourites. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, no, it is. It's still one of my favourites and we still quote from it and, you know, watch bits and pieces of it. It, it. I think it shows on RTE2 from time to time. Sure, time to time. It's never off yeah, RTE2. Yeah. Constantly yeah, in rotation yeah, yeah, yeah. on RTE2. Let's hear a clip in which Father Ted and Father Dougal try to name Dougal's new rabbit. <laughs> there he is now, anyway. <laughs> He's great, isn't he? He is all right. Uh, does he have a name? No, I don't think so. 
Uh, the woman in the pet shop didn't mention one anyway. Oh, I don't know. How about Ted? That's a good name for a rabbit. No, I don't think that's a good idea, Dougal. You're forgetting I'm called Ted as well. <laughs> I could call you Father Ted. No. <laughs> Seriously, Dougal, you'll have to come up with something a bit more original. Hello, fathers. Hello, Hello Mrs. Mrs. Doyle. <laughs> How about Mrs. Doyle? No, Mrs. Doyle is not a good name for a rabbit. You need something like Popsy or Bruce. All right. Wait, I've got one. You see the way he's got big floppy ears there flopping all over the place? Yeah. Well, why don't we call him Father Jack Hackett? <laughs> Perfect. Father Jack it is. What? Uh, nothing, Father. Dougal's named his new rabbit after you. What? Are you all right, Father Jack? What? Uh, he's not talking to you, Father. He's talking to the rabbit. What? I think Father Jack wants a drink. Drink! Drink! Maybe we could give him water. Water! Fick! <laughs> Dougal, this is getting far too confusing. Ah, Ted, I've got used to calling him Father Jack. Could we not call Father Jack something else? <laughs> Great, what do we call him? Uh, Flipper. Flipper the priest. Yes! <laughs> Father Ted with the late Dermot Morgan, the late Frank Kelly there alongside Ardla Handon and Pauline McLean. Uh, books. Let's get to books. And tell us about your pick here, please. Yeah, well, there's so many books I haven't read um, and and so many books I have, but these two struck and me. So what do you them. tend to read? Do you read fiction or do you On read... holiday, I'd read fiction, but when I'm at home, I, I kind of delve into political books and theory and history and stuff like that. Um, but when I go on holiday, I love to read. And the last one of Barbara Kingslover I read was uh, Flight Behaviour, which is a very interesting book. It's basically about climate change and the impact it's having on um, a community in the States. And it sort of touches and helps to explain Trumpism as well in very poor communities in America. Um, and the one that we have a clip from is another one of our earlier books, The Poisonwood Bible. What's that? The Poisonwood Bible is about a, a family who move out to the Congo. So I remember it's in the deep in the deep of Africa um, many decades ago to um, convert the natives to believe in a, a, a Protestant sect, a Protestant religious sect, and the struggle that they have and the impact of it on the natives and the impact of the natives on them. But it speaks a lot to colonialism and what colonialism has done to the world. Um, but it's a very very interesting book, and the detail is amazing. You're sort of there. And you you get all the sensations, all the smells, the feeling, the heat, you know, the the the, the, the misery of it oftentimes, but sometimes the beauty of it as well, and a very tragic ending. Let's hear a clip from that book. She is inhumanly alone. And then all at once, she isn't. A beautiful animal stands on the other side of the water. They look up from their lives, woman and animal, amazed to find themselves in the same place. He freezes, inspecting her with his black-tipped ears, his back is purplish-brown in the dim light, sloping downward from the gentle hump of his shoulders. The forest shadows fall into lines across his white-striped flanks. His stiff forelegs splay out to the sides like stilts, for he's been caught in the act of reaching down for water. Without taking his eyes from her, he twitches a little at the knee, then the shoulder where a fly devils him. Finally, he surrenders his surprise, looks away, and drinks. She can feel the touch of his long curled tongue on the water's skin as if he were lapping from her hand. 
His head bobs gently, nodding small velvet horns lit white from behind like new leaves. It lasted just a moment, whatever that is. One held breath, an ant's afternoon. It was brief, I can promise that much, for although it's been many years now since my children ruled my life, a mother recalls the measure of the silences. I never had more than five minutes' peace unbroken. I was that woman on the stream bank, of course. Orleana Price, Southern Baptist by marriage, mother of children, living and dead. That one time and no other, the Okapi came to the stream, and I was the only one to see it. Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingslover. Final thing that we're going to ask you about Breed Smith is a favourite play. And you've gone for Observe the Sons of Ulster Marching Towards the Somme by Frank McGuinness. Why so? Well, I suppose, I mean, it just had such an impact on me when I saw it. It was a great production. It was on the Abbey many years ago. But uh, it, uh, it speaks about a lot of things. It speaks against the First World War and the, uh, the butchery and the slaughter that it represented. But it also speaks about those who lived and died through it. Um, and mainly they were Ulster Protestants who met you know, 30,000 of them or something lost their lives there in the Somme. Um, uh, so it's such a huge tragedy, but it also brings into question their own loyalty to what they are committed to, you know, the empire, what the empire is about. And there's a complex um, underbelly to it about homosexuality and identifying your own gender and sexuality and all that. So, yeah, but it's it, it, it's a brilliant play. Frank McGuinness wrote a great piece of work there. And if it's done well, it will stick with you. There's no doubt at all. And how important is it, particularly for a Southern audience, to have some sympathy, perhaps, with the Ulster Protestant, which isn't always necessarily forthcoming? No, it isn't. And I think it's a it's a good one to bring you to that space because, unfortunately, Ulster Protestants, a lot of loyalists, not Ulster Protestants, I think a lot of loyalists still think this was a great war and it was a great thing we did. Whereas when you see when you see the play and 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 you know go through the narrative in it you can see that it was actually butchery and slaughter and it was like working class people being used as cannon fodder by an empire who really didn't give a damn about them. And that in a way makes them quite tragic, uh, quite a tragic milieu. And um, yeah, I think a lot of Ulster Protestants would benefit from seeing it as well as people on this side of the border, you know, because it speaks to, it speaks to what imperialism does and the way it wastes generations of young people and doesn't give a damn or value them, you know. It's brilliant at that. Do I get a sense that you perhaps don't get to read and watch and listen to as many things as you would like because of the nature of the job? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe if I was a better organised person and had more energy, I might do more of it. But there's a lot of pressure on you being a TD, especially in a small party where you don't get to share all the briefs and you have to cover a lot of things. And then working in your community as well. There's a lot of times I would like to go out more, to see more things, to read more things, to do more things, but I just don't get to it. But someday I will. I'll make up for it. And in the meantime, I'll do my best to fit it in and to be better organised in in the way I dev- divvy up my time. Breed Smith from People Before Profit. Thank you very much for joining us Thank on you, the Culture Matt, Club today. Thank you, Matt. pleasure talking to you again. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today,